0: to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen and I am seated next to my husband, my best friend, and also the lead pastor of High Point Church. We are so glad to have you join us for a great topic that we're going to dive back into today.
1: Well, this is part of our discussion on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten member of the Trinity, often a little mysterious and misunderstood. We're hoping through this series on the Holy Spirit that we can make the Holy Spirit a real person, just like you understand Jesus to be a real person and begin to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that encourages you, that fulfills you, and that just enables you to have complete and total confidence about how to grow in your relationship with God.
0: We've got a lot to get to, but in case you were not able to join us for our last podcast, let me just start out kind of at ground zero with a definition of the Holy Spirit. We are going to start with that, and then for those of you who like lots of information, we've got a rich definition, but then we've also got the short version for those of you who like something short and sweet. But the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. He reveals Jesus Christ to sinners Permanently and completely indwells believers at the point of salvation, forms the likeness of Jesus Christ in believers through sanctification, guidance, the distribution of all biblical gifts of the Spirit, empowers the mission of Jesus Christ through believers, and unifies the church.
1: As you listen to that definition, you go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I need to push pause. I need to go back, rewind. So let me summarize that quickly before Karen kind of gives you the shortened version. There's five key words in that definition. The word reveals and then indwells, forms, empowers, and unifies. Last week, we talked about he reveals. This week, we're going to talk about he indwells. But Karen, give us the shorter version so that people can have something that's a little bit more memorable.
0: Absolutely. Because here you want to know really what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He reveals Christ to us, forms Christ in us, and empowers the mission of Christ through us. So that is why we need to be ever growing in our understanding and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Those are incredibly important roles that the Holy Spirit has in each of our lives. And as you just said, last podcast, we were able to talk about how he reveals Christ to us today. We want to jump right in and talk about this whole idea of the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Obviously, The first place you need to go when you're talking about the Holy Spirit is Scripture. There's no other place that we would want to start. And so I'm hoping that today I do this a lot with you just at home and uh, various topics. It can be anything, spiritual or not, and I'll come and pick your brain. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to do today. That's kind of my role here is ask you the hundred questions that I always do about a particular topic so that maybe we can just kind of demystify the Holy Spirit
1: definitely as you read these scriptures what we'll try to do is just give you an overview of what those essentials are as it relates to the person of the holy spirit and how today he indwells us and what that really means in a practical way in our life
0: let's look at a particular passage i'm going to jump into john chapter 7 verse 37 through 39 and it says this on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified.
1: What I love about this passage is this imagery that whoever thirst, and there's always something in our life that's causing a thirst before we really understand who Christ is. And we try to satisfy that thirst in so many different ways. But here, what Jesus is saying to us is that I can satisfy your thirst. But what's fascinating is he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit. So, those rivers of living water come from the Spirit of God indwelling us. And as we look at this, it's important for us to understand that Scripture, time and time again, describes the Holy Spirit as a fulfillment. The Holy Spirit is fulfilling God's work in our life. What God began, the Holy Spirit is taking the beginning work of God in causing that work to continue. Oftentimes we say this, we say salvation is a point in time experience, all right, with continuing results. Well, the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to see who Jesus is, to confess our sin, to repent of our sin and come to that moment of salvation. But the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't stop with salvation. Mm -hmm. The work of the Holy Spirit really just begins when salvation turns into sanctification and that's where the fulfillment begins to occur as we are filled up with the Holy Spirit and it's as if we have rivers of living water flowing from us.
0: Why is that important? Can you be a believer and not have any understanding or grasp or care about the Holy Spirit indwelling you? Why is that important?
1: Well, it's important because what we see time in time again is that there are people who will trust christ and they experience what it means to be forgiven but yet they don't experience the freedom that then comes from growing in christ and that freedom comes from the work of the holy spirit that is in us in philippians 2 when it talks about god who is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure so When God is at work in us, he's working in us through the Holy Spirit. He's accomplishing his purposes through the Holy Spirit. And as we see this, also, if we go back to John chapter 15, the scripture says, apart from him, we can do nothing. It's important for us to also look and go, we're either in the flesh or in the spirit. So if you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh. And so we have to replace the flesh with the spirit, the indwelling of the spirit.
0: I think at the time that I was saved, I really didn't understand what that meant, that the Holy Spirit indwelled me and why that really made a difference. I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't want to go to hell, but the Holy Spirit was just kind of this forgotten member of the Trinity. But now I look back and I think, oh, my goodness, what did I miss? Just having an awareness of the gift, not just of salvation, but the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given at that exact moment that I believe, just like this passage in John says.
1: I think it's also important when you say before salvation, we are feeling this disconnect. What we know is that that disconnect comes from our sins separating us from God And we just feel this immediate need to be forgiven and in that way then be connected to God. But it's not until that moment that we really begin to see our need for the ongoing growth that occurs in our walk with God. And I think the best way to draw this distinction is forgiveness is immediate. It happens right there at that moment of salvation. Freedom is progressive. Now we receive the fullness of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but we learn how to grow in the person of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's not a substance. The Holy Spirit's not a it. You know, when we say the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not like I am a cup or a glass and I'm filling. of the Holy Spirit filling me up. No, this says rivers of living water flow from within me. I get all of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not like, okay, you got 25% now, you got 50%, but he's a person. And because he's a person, I'm growing in a relationship with him, learning to surrender to him, to submit to him, to walk with him, to abide in him, just like the person of Jesus Christ.
0: You just used a phrase that if you've grown up in church is probably very familiar, but if you haven't, it sounds really like church talk. You said that we have the fullness of the indwelling of the Holy spirit. So put that in layman terms. What's another way to say that the bottom line of what that really means?
1: Well, in many ways, it goes back to what I just said. I was trying to correct a misunderstanding. Sometimes when we use the word fullness, What we're talking about is some people think that they did not receive all of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's why in this, you know, point today, we're talking about on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you go back to the definition, it says that the Holy Spirit is co equal with God the Father and God the Son. He reveals Jesus Christ to sinners permanently and completely indwells believers at the point of salvation. So permanently, it's not a gift that can be taken away. We Mm -hmm. can't lose our salvation and then completely indwells us because if he's going to save us, he is equally committed to sanctify us. In Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So when I say the fullness, what we're trying to focus on today is you get the fullness of God right there in the Holy Spirit at salvation, but you grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit.
0: That makes perfect sense. Basically, we're saying you get all of the Holy Spirit and you can't lose it. Is that accurate to say?
1: That is 100% accurate.
0: Perfect. Before we move on, I want to look at another passage, Acts two thirty seven, And this gives us a little bit different perspective. Again, we're trying to lay a foundation so that you can go, okay, I get it. I understand who the Holy Spirit is and the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so let me throw this one at you. Again, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, For when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
1: When I look at this passage and it says, repent, what does that word mean? It's a change of mind. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart. Ultimately, that change of mind leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. And because it was a change of mind, well, then the next thing to do is to follow the Lord in baptism. Because they're saying, I've changed my mind about who the Messiah is, or that there wasn't one, and now there is one. I've changed my mind, and I'm saying, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. I'm going to follow him. And so he's baptized. But then you see two results of salvation. The results are forgiveness of your sins But notice the second one. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that word gift. There's nothing less than. He's given you everything that you now need to live for God. Before the Holy Spirit, it was impossible for you to live for God. After the Holy Spirit, now it's possible for you to live with God and for God because the Holy Spirit is
0: indwelling you this verse begs a lot of questions and could be taken out of context or different denominations and different theological backgrounds could maybe interpret this particular verse differently. So maybe you can address this idea of baptism and the Holy Spirit. And do you get the Holy Spirit just when you're baptized or is it at salvation? And how does all of that work out?
1: The word baptism of the Holy Spirit, The word baptism means to immerse, okay? So it's the immersion of the Holy Spirit in our life. At salvation, we receive everything, and that's why we're going to keep going back in this definition, and today the point is on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we receive that permanently and completely at salvation. But as some denominations and some people talk about, The baptism of the Holy Spirit, or sometimes they call it a second blessing. And the thought process there is, okay, some point in time after salvation, you get these additional blessings of the Holy Spirit, additional, almost like doses of the Holy Spirit. With that oftentimes comes the accompaniment of certain gifts. What I would say here is, yes, we're always growing in the person of the Holy Spirit, but I received all of the Holy Spirit at salvation. Just like you and I, we were married about 20 years ago and I received all of you and you received (laughs) all of me, but we have been growing in our relationship with one another, in our love for one another, in our ability to love one another over the last 20 years. And I've received many blessings from you over those 20 years. So the same thing with the person of the Holy Spirit, it's essential. It's essential that we realize You know what? There's not just a second blessing. Mm -hmm. There's a third, fourth, fifth, tenth, hundredth blessing as we grow in our ability to submit to the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and walk by the holy spirit
0: i've never really thought about it this way before but we always talk about as we teach priority time or just in the context of growing in your relationship with the lord that the closer you get to god the more you see his holiness and the more you see his holiness the more aware you are of your unholiness that's something that you and i have said frequently when you look at it in parallel to the holy spirit it's not like God has changed it all. It's just as I'm growing, I have a greater and greater appreciation of his power, of his authority, of his, um, his omnipresence. As I grow, as I'm sanctified, as I'm becoming more mature in my faith. I have a greater and greater view of who God is. And I think just to clarify, we're saying the exact same thing is true of the Holy Spirit. You don't get more of God five years after you're saved. You've had all of God from the point of salvation. And the same is true of the Holy Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit there is. But absolutely, you're growing and having a greater, greater awareness of his power and his presence in your life.
1: What changes is not the Holy Spirit. What changes is me. Absolutely. What changes is my ability to surrender to the Holy Spirit, submit to the Holy Spirit, allow myself to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then to obey immediately. So over time, I want everyone to hear this. As we think about different denominations that talk about a second blessing and stuff, I don't want to be critical of anyone, Mm -hmm. okay? Respect different beliefs. And these are subtle differences, but what we're just trying to do is teach what we think and believe the Bible says about the person of the Holy Spirit. As we go throughout this podcast, we'll break that down. We'll get into a discussion of tongues and stuff like that later in the series, okay? We'll go through first Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 and we'll get into the specifics of gifts but right now we want to stay more on the introduction level so that we can build into that over time
0: one last question before we move on do you have to be physically baptized in water or sprinkled or however you have the baptism in your church in order to get the holy spirit
1: no baptism is like the wedding bands that we have on. We are married even if we take these wedding bands off. Mm -hmm. We exchange vows with one another. We made a decision in our minds and in our hearts that express a commitment. This wedding band is a outward symbol of an inward reality. So I'm letting everybody else know that I'm married and baptism is a way I'm letting everybody else know that I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's a way that we publicly identify with the man, the message and the mission of Jesus Christ.
0: That the Holy Spirit comes at the point of salvation.
1: Yes. Well, let's go back to the two thieves on the cross next to Jesus. One decided to repent of his sin, place his faith in Jesus Christ. One did not. The one that Jesus responded and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That man received the Holy Spirit, the indwelling the Holy Spirit right there. He couldn't get off the cross. He couldn't go be baptized. He couldn't go join a church. He couldn't go do anything mm-hmm. but believe.
0: So many times, as we have worked with people who have maybe aging or sick parents or family members, and they make a decision somewhere in those last final days that that is such a picture of comfort to us that you know what it's not about going and doing anything that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you can be saved and that includes receiving all the holy spirit
1: and a beautiful picture of that i've seen this time and time again as we'll go to the hospital as we'll visit people we go to hospice you can see someone's body who has just been ravaged by disease by illness by all the different pain that goes along with that And they'll pray that prayer and the light switch turns on and -hmm. there's a radiance Mm -hmm. and there's a beauty and something just came alive in them, even though their physical body is decaying and even moving toward death.
0: It is a powerful thing to see. Let me throw another passage your way. This is first Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. It says this for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit.
1: So as we look at this picture of the body of Christ, the body of Christ is made up of a diversity of many parts. Let's draw the analogy right back to our body, all right? My hand, my foot are all members of, of one body, my fingers, my toes, for the greater purpose and function of my body. And so he's drawn this analogy that there are many members in the body of Christ, but yet there's these many members make up one purpose. This is where oftentimes there's confusion about this term baptism of the Holy Spirit. So as we see here, it's important for us to understand that baptism comes after salvation the argument is that this baptism comes after salvation later on when we talk about the baptism of the holy spirit people are thinking in what they teach is that the baptism comes after salvation and what we're saying is no indwelling of the holy spirit occurs at salvation so as we look at this it's important for us to realize that paul's making a case for all believers for all time by referring to the whole body of christ In verse 12, when he says here, for just as the body is one and has many members, it's not just in this particular situation, a local body of Christ, he's Mm -hmm. referring to the church universal, everybody in all the members of the body, though many, they're one body. So it is with Christ for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And you see the kind of the global aspect of this Jews or Greeks, slaves are free. All were made to drink of the Spirit. Now, stay with me for just a moment, okay? Some argue that made to drink means a special group. They're given a special endowment of the Spirit. But a better translation of that is this. When it says made to drink, it's better translated as flood or to irrigate, meaning that the Spirit has flooded all of us. All of us have been immersed with the spirit, filled with the spirit. And so the word all here is referring to believers who have been baptized into one body. And this is a reference to all believers, you know, of a universal church, not only believers of a specific local congregation. So as we think about that, that's how we can clear up some of the misunderstanding in these situations.
0: We're coming down to our just last few moments of this particular podcast. Is there anything else before we wrap it up for today that you would think that passage, I know it has a couple different places that raise questions. Is there anything else that we need to make sure that we clarify in first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12?
1: Well, as we look at that passage, sometimes people read that passage from whatever lens they're coming from. They accidentally bring their interpretation to the passage. Mm. And so if we've heard the term baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe we read that and we go, oh, okay, I know so-and-so said this, and that must be what this passage means. And we lose what the author's original intent of the passage is, okay? And so what we've got to do is we've got to look at the passage itself, and we've got to look at it in its context. We've got to look at it in its historical context and say, no, this is the purpose that Paul intended in that passage. So the greater context of that passage is focused on the diversity of gifts. And as he looks at that diversity of gifts, he's also saying all gifts should be honored. There's not one gift that's greater than another gift, That and all gifts are not for the benefit of the individual, Ultimately, they're for the greater good of the body. What he's trying to caution us from is having elitism where some people have a better gift than someone else or a more special gift than someone else. And so, what we must do is we must realize that, you know what, when I think about my body, I don't want to lose my foot. I don't want to lose, you know, my left hand. I want every member of my body. It's important, it's equally important according to the God-given design and purpose of that member of the body. So when I try to close up that passage, what we want to see here is we want to understand It's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's that we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's not this second blessing, but let me emphasize this, and this is not to demean anything that people say about a second blessing. I'm not saying there's not a second blessing. I'm saying there's a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, because it's an ongoing relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, and I'm learning how to submit myself, surrender myself to the Holy Spirit, and in that way, I grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and at different seasons of my life, God might give me different gifts to meet different needs. Bottom line, as we close out today's session on the Holy Spirit, let's go back to the first passage. Hey, if anyone's thirsty, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. And when you come to me, that thirst is going to be quenched because we're going to go from being in the flesh to being in the spirit and then there's these rivers of living water now that's the imagery i want you to walk away with throughout this series on the holy spirit we're going to learn all the nuances of the holy spirit but right now do you feel like there are rivers of living water flowing from within you that gives you the ability to love god love people and ultimately prove that love works. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life.
0: I just remember when you began writing and researching this particular topic that it came from just a hunger to say, I want to know what God's word says about the Holy Spirit. And our heart and our hope for you is that this will be a resource to you that this will be something that can help you in your understanding, but also that it will stir within you a desire to go open God's word for yourself And See what His Word says about the Holy Spirit so you can have the confidence, the understanding, and the blessing of knowing how complete our God is and how the Holy Spirit is living inside each and every one of us. We have so much more that we look forward to sharing with you. In the meantime, feel free to get more information at HighPointMemphis.com or on either one of our blogs at ChrisConley.net and karenconley.com. Always remember, love God plus love people equals love works.